Hey everybody, what's going on there? Welcome back to the Wonderfully Weird Podcast. This is Casey Hunter, your host. I do all the weird stuff in the world. And one of the weird things that I do, that you guys know by now, is I'm an indie author. Which a lot of people find weird. A lot of people think is really cool. But you know what? I enjoy it. And, you know, doing pretty okay with it. Good for myself. But this podcast and this particular series of podcasts that I'm going to be doing are about other indie authors. Because uh, we a lot of times we hear about the big success stories. You also hear people on the other side saying that indie publishing is for the birds. But this is for those of us who are in it. This very cool select group of a couple thousand people who are just starting out and just kind of finding our way. And we hopefully can give some stories here from some of the authors I'm going to talk to uh, that you can relate to if you are one of these indie authors starting out or if you've been at it for a while and you're still trying to find your way. Now, today, for the first one of these interviews, I am talking to Gemma Hatt, who is the author of a series of young, of, would they be young adult or children books? How would you call them? Children's? Children's stories. Yeah. There's the adventure, there's the adventures of the Cursed Castle, which is the first book in her series, and the adventures of the Temple of Treasure. And we're going to talk now to Gemma and get a little bit of insight into how she started and what her story is. So Gemma, introduce yourself to the people and let them know who you are. Sure. Thanks, Casey, for having me on the podcast. This is the first one of these I've done, so really exciting and just hope I don't say anything stupid. Um, so I work as a project manager during the day. Um, I'm self-employed, so I work with different clients in London. And this year I started to independently publish children's books, starting with The Adventures in the Cursed Castle in January, and then last month I published my second book in the series, The Adventures and the Temple of Treasure. It sounds awesome. Because, you know, a lot of indie authors, there's, they're, we're spread out amongst a lot of different genres. And I haven't talked to too many people who are doing children's books. And I have seen the covers that you did. The covers are pretty cool, by the way, too. They do give that kind of adventure kit feel to them. Um, and that's one of the things a lot of people kind of think that indie authors don't do, that we don't have good covers. Uh, yours are pretty good. So, um Tell the folks, like, how did you start with your process? What made you think about going indie? And what is the process to you getting to have a product that looks as good as this one does? Uh, thank you very much for the compliment on the covers. I can't take any credit for it as I work with a really great <laughs> um, cover designer called Andrew Smith. And he designs a lot of greetings cards, Christmas cards, and a few book covers as well. And he's really talented. And I'm so happy with what he's done with the covers. So I think... The book cover and the title probably the two most important marketing tools um, for us, well, for any author, really, traditionally published or independent. Um, but in terms of my journey into independent publishing, first of all, I started out the way a lot of people do. I looked for an agent. Um, I wrote to a few publishers, the ones that actually accept submissions from authors directly and not through an agent. And from the literary agents I didn't really receive any individualized feedback um, I know they have what they call a slush pile and they receive loads and loads of applications so you're never really sure how much somebody is looking at your work um, and what their feedback is whether it's a near miss or it's totally not what they're looking for um, I had some better feedback from the publishers where they gave me really detailed feedback on what they liked and what they didn't like in the sample that I sent them. 
So even though a couple of them um, declined, it really helped me rewrite the first book based on some of their feedback and make it a better book. And this was before I'd had any editing at all. Um, I did have one offer from a publisher, from a small publisher. Um, and then it was really tough for me because I'd looked, by this point, I'd looked into independently publishing the books myself. I'd looked at people I thought I'd want to work with in terms of editing and cover design. So I was set up ready to go. Then I had this offer come in from a small publisher. And it wasn't for me, really, because they, I didn't feel like they were offering anything that I couldn't do for myself and have control over it myself. Um, I, I was flattered. Mm, that's that, very interesting. Yeah. I was really flattered that they so what if, worked with me. Yeah. So what? So what about? I mean, not going into too much details because you don't obviously don't want to disclose anything that uh, a publishing house in a negative light, of, yeah. of course. Uh, but what? What really specifically was it about it that you felt wasn't for you? Was it the the contract? Was it uh, any kind of advance or just how many books they wanted you? What was the real the sp like kind of a specific? If you can get into that. Yeah. So they didn't offer an advance. Um, they. The main thing for me was the covers. Um, I had a look at some of the covers of other books that they published, and um, they didn't look like the kind of covers that I would want from my book. Um, and then when uh. I asked them a lot of questions and said, yeah, how much they would I have over the cover? And their ideas for the cover were very different to the ideas that I had. And then as I asked in more detail about marketing, you know, how would you market the book? Would you use these promotions? They really didn't have a lot of detail. And I've spoken to other children's writers who are published, not by the publisher who offered me a contract, but by really big, prestigious children's um, publishers. And they said, you know, even as a traditional author with a massive company behind them, they still had to do all the marketing themselves but without control of the pricing and, you know, promotions and that kind of thing. Um, so it got, me, right. it got me thinking, and the more I thought about doing it myself, the more excited um, I got by it. And I really wanted to produce a product that could stand up alongside any other book, really, that was published by a traditional publisher. Well, I will say that was the right way to go, because like I said, I've, I've seen your covers. And for those of you who haven't, you can go on Amazon, of course, and uh, search for Gemma Hat, J-E-M-M-A-H-A-T-T, -T, and you can see her book covers there. They are really good, and they are professional looking. Uh, that is that, that is something that uh, I think a lot of people don't really realize with indies, too, is that because we've gone into the indie space, we are very savvy. And I don't know how many other book groups you're involved with. But uh, some of the other book uh, groups I get into, you see, there'll be these um, people or bots that will post in the groups and telling some of the other authors who aren't in our space, hey, we can do this for you. And I've seen people jump on it and not do what you did, not go and look at it and say, hmm, well, some of these other books that you guys have put out, I'm not really sure about the quality of them and you asking questions. Uh, so it seems like you found you, you may have, you know, we will never know, of course, cause you didn't sign with them, but it's probably more likely that you may have saved yourself a lot of aggravation by not getting tied down to something like that. I think so. Yeah, it was, 
I mean, it was really great to have an offer, and it gave me a confidence boost at a good time when I needed it, but I don't have any regrets, that's for sure. Yeah, so as so you turned down this offer, uh, decided to go full-on indie with yourself, So, um, and I may know the answer to this, but I'm going to ask anyway for the people who aren't in our group. Um, so who was it or what was it that particularly got you interested <coughs> self-publishing into doing we're, we're honestly not doing a commercial here for Mark Dawson, even though I have praised him on this podcast before. But um, tell people about how what really spurred you on because it probably isn't just one source uh, into how you were going to do self-publishing how you were going to target this and where you learned a lot of those things that kept you from possibly signing a bad deal. Um, yeah, definitely. Mark Dawson will be one of them. So he has some great resources out there, some great groups on Facebook and through social media where I've definitely learned a lot, but I, I found two other successful independent authors before um, discovering Mark's group that inspired me in those initial stages. So one is Adam Croft. Um, he writes, thrillers in the UK so I saw I just randomly saw a few comments um, in another group that wasn't his group but comments about how he'd received offers from big publishing houses and turned them down because he found they weren't competitive of what he could do and what he could achieve himself and that kind of started me thinking um, and researching and looking into it and then in my genre particularly there's an author called Karen Inglis who's written a book called The Secret Lake, and she's topped the Amazon UK charts with her book. Um, she's just had a book published. Well, she's had one of her books um, translated internationally. So it was good to see not only people like Mark and Adam, who are selling literally millions of books in the markets and managing everything as entrepreneurs and independent authors, but also seeing someone in my own genre as well who's having... Um, some pretty good success in what they're writing and managing to retain creative control of releasing exactly the product that, as an author, you want to release. Yeah, that's definitely a big thing, too. I, I know for me, because uh, I'm kind of spread across a couple different genres, um, for me, it's Shane Silver's because I'm in an urban fantasy one, and Shane Silver's story um, most indie authors know of his story. Mm. A lot of people probably knows his story because he's like all over the charts all the time. Yeah. But he's a good one to follow as well. Um, so that is one piece of advice I would, you know, suggest for the other indies who are starting out listening to this is, you know, maybe find somebody that's in your genre that is doing it the right way because, you know, you, you want to follow. My, my theory on this is always if you're on the side of the road and your tire goes flat, <laughs> Do you want the person who's never changed a tire to come help you and you follow their instructions? Or do you want the person who's changed a lot of tires and follow their instructions? I would tend to choose the person who's probably fixed a tire before. So <laughs> those are the people that you should probably follow. Uh, so you you found some gurus, some some uh, uh, to steal a Harry Potter reference, your uh, your Patron Patronus to, to follow. Um, so after getting that, um, tell tell us about the story because I, I notice a lot of times sometimes we don't talk too much about we talk about the author's journeys, but we don't talk about what they're actually writing. Uh, so how did you come up with uh, this? I guess we're are we calling it the Adventures series? Yeah, yeah the Adventurers series. 
Uh, how did you come up with the Adventurer series? What was the impetus for you to come up with the, these characters in the storyline? Um, it's something that started a long time ago. So I actually lived in the U.S. back in 2010 to around 2013. And I'd always written a lot as a child. And then you start work and you get busy and there's other things to do. And you, I think you lose some of your creativity sometimes when you start the world of day jobs and nine to fives. Um, but an yeah. idea just popped into my head and I just started writing. But back in 2012 about a group of children who um, find themselves in a castle staying with a distant relative they've never met before. And they hear about this curse and these rumors of a treasure that's somewhere hidden around the castle, which is crumbling. It's not in a very good state of repair. Um, and they have to find it to find the treasure to help their families and maybe restore the castle, but also to lift this curse, which is struck. Um, generations through their family but they've got a bit of competition there so they have to solve the clues ahead of um, some bad guys from the British Museum who are on their trail as well so it's a mystery detective adventure story it's for it's for children any from around eight years old up until around 12 but I've heard from some adults who like reading it as well because they liked that kind of classic adventure story when they were growing up and sometimes adults just like easy books to read as well with a bit of mystery things that aren't you know about sad topics or yeah yeah <laughs> that's pretty awesome because and you do find that that uh you do kind of cross genre sometimes with uh as far as your readership is not always what you think it's going to be absolutely uh, you do get a lot of outside influences um, so you came up with the story, you had an idea, you've had it for a long time, which probably most of us, <laughs> most of us have, we always have that story that we wrote like way back in the day and it took <laughs> us 15 years to finish the first book. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, uh. <laughs> one thing, yeah, one thing we do learn in, in the, uh, cause you are writing a series and one thing, you know, I know Mark talks about this and some of the other, uh, uh, successful professional, uh, self-publishers talk about it is series are important. Um, and it can be daunting sometimes to go, man, it took me, I had this idea when I was 12 and it took me all this time to finally finish the first book <laughs> Now I got to write another one. So what, did you have that when you came to the end of the first adventures book, adventurers book and that, okay, man, it took me a long time to do this one. How am I going to go into the second one? Or was it kind of easier for you? Cause you'd already gone through the process. It was easier with the second book, although with the first book, I wrote half of it in 2012, did nothing with it for six years, and then finished it in about a week. So, I just, it, oh wow, <laughs> that's fast. Yeah, and um, with the second book, I was kind of worried I would hit a bit of block in the middle again, because I don't plan a lot of the stories before I write them. Because I like to be excited about what's happening to the characters as it's as I'm writing it and as it's happening to them but sometimes it means I get a bit stuck the parts in the stories mm -hmm. we did have a part in the second book where I got stuck again but I was more in the habit of writing regularly so I was coming home from work you know typing a few more words even if it was hard I was still typing every day and then you just get through it and it gets easier again so I say for anybody who's struggling with finishing or knowing where a book's going just keep going and you can always edit and change it later and you know you'll have your own edits and then 
hopefully if you're working with a professional editor as I did they'll have their own suggestions as well so it doesn't have to be perfect the first time yeah they have uh, what's the term they call it pantser um, yeah I guess that, that would be the <laughs> appropriate <me>. term <laughs> Yeah, there are plotters and pantsers. I think I'm, I'm a bit of I'm probably a bit of a hybrid. Um, what was uh, software? Are you using any particular software? Are you using Word or Scrivener or any of those softwares to kind of write your books? Um, I'm old school. I'm just using Word. I'm just yeah, sitting and writing the story in Word. I've a lot of people talk about Scrivener. I haven't um, experimented with that yet. Yeah, Scrivener is. Uh, I was late to the party. My, uh, I think several people. I think it was a big thing a couple months ago. Everybody was hopping on a Scrivener bandwagon. I'm not a Mac person, so <laughs> the version of Scrivener for uh, PCs is a little bit different. You don't get all the features, but it. I mean, it, it helps me out a little bit uh, with because I don't do. I'm like you. I don't do a lot of plotting. I have a general idea, but then kind of go through and. Where is this going to go? Yeah. You know, well, I think a famous artist said uh, when he did painting, it was taking a line for a walk and just, you know, here's the color yellow and just see what happens. And that's kind of the way uh, I guess us pantsers do it. Um, <laughs> I can hear the screams right now from the people who aren't pantsers like you need to outline. You need to use the whole tools and all this other stuff. But, you know, it's not for everybody. <laughs> Um, so you, you did talk about editing. So, uh, and this is a big thing, a huge thing for a lot of indie authors. Cause one of the criticisms, uh, we do get is for grammar and, and spelling errors that show up in books that went up on Amazon. And I, as, as sometimes for me, it can be extremely aggravating and painful to go through the process of a professional editing. And then you kind of go, oh, because we all think we know everything. Yeah. And then you get a professional editor and then you realize you don't know anywhere near as much as you think you do. Um, but it is worth it in the end. Absolutely. Um, how did you go about finding yourself? Because you also have to find the right editor. It's It can be in itself. That can be a whole process just to get one so how did you go about finding yourself an editor it was through recommendations really so in some of the indie author groups um i saw certain names coming up again and again read the testimonials um then yeah started working with amanda uh, my editor and just found her really supportive and when she suggested changes it wasn't that painful i kind of expected it to be more painful than it was so Proofreading is definitely painful, and if you can outsource yes, that, it is. then the, the more the better. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, it was. I like to. I feel like I've got my my team set now. I've got my cover designer, editor, formatter, all the rest of it, and yeah, I'd like to keep it the same throughout the series. But it's been. I mean, I guess I was quite lucky um, in the people I've worked with. You know, I want to continue working with, but I know other authors have actually had maybe a sample edit first and see if it works for you, or they've had some feedback they didn't like. So I've been quite lucky in that respect. Yeah, because it can be uh, a daunting to find a lot of these, because you basically are the employer. Mm -hmm. And this is another thing that a lot of people don't really understand about self-publishing who aren't doing it or aren't involved with it. You wind up, yes, you're an entrepreneur, which also means you're kind of, you're also, you're a boss, but you're also a person who's got to take criticism. You have to make a lot of decisions 
on cover art. You have to make decisions on some edits. Some edits come back. You can't just accept everything because it might not be the right thing or there might be something that happens later on in the in future stories that you go, well, you know, that kind of needs to stay in there. So there are a lot of there are a lot of hats you have to wear. Yeah. And like you said, you ha- you have your team now set up the way you need it to go forward with it. Um, how long did it take you to get that team together from, you know, just getting the editor and the, the formatting and everything else? Not long, actually. Not long to actually find the individuals. They were really responsive. The only thing that takes a bit of planning is they're in. They're all in quite high demands. Um, so I need to let them know as I'm writing the next book and for for the second book, I um, had to, you know, for when the launch was, plan ahead and book them in and let them know so they knew when it was coming for them to do their part and what the sequencing would be. And so that part takes a bit more planning than. Um, Getting the team together is, is quite quick. Yeah, oh, that's cool. Yeah, um, yeah. Some, I mean, some of us. Uh, again, my experience was a little bit longer. Um, but here's another kind of a different thing for, between us as indie authors is uh, there are a lot of other indie authors. I know Michael Anderley and Chris Fox, and I'm probably in this group too. We came from a programming world, so some of the things. Uh, like formatting is not a thing that I really need because I'm a coder and I can do that and I can go and break Scrivener apart and stuff. And I do have some uh, creative uh, visual arts background. So a lot of my covers are, I do my own covers and get critiques from other graphic designers. So um, is the, yeah, I got, so that's where my, so I got it lucky in a different Mm -hmm. way is that I don't, I didn't need as big a team but finding the team of people I did need, it did take a long time because I did go to a couple editors. I did settle on one now uh, who is very tough and which is what I need for me. I need somebody to kind of come in and go, you know what? You need to do this. You yeah. Know? Um, is So since you have such a smooth transition now and now you, you finished the second book, correct? Yes. Uh, that came out June the 11th. That's is right. Is that correct? Yes. So... Now that you, you and this, so this is a recent release, less than a month away. We're we're here recording on July the fifth. Um, what are your plans going forward? Because your first book was in January, yeah. if I'm correct. Definitely. So it's a six month. So it's a six month gap. Are you? Is that kind of the pace you want to do? Is you want to do six months between them, or do you want to do faster or slower? Or how, have you kind of thought about how you want your release schedule to go now that you've gotten everything in place? I'd like the third book, which I'm still writing, to come out ahead of the Christmas market. Um, so to have the three then. And then after that, um, I've got some other ideas for other children's books. Um, I've got an, a book that I actually started writing that's just on the back burner at the moment that's a teenage um, novel that's standalone. So there's other writing pro- projects I want to get involved in. I've got ideas for two more adventurers' books at the moment. Um, I'm not sure when number four would come out. It depends how quickly I start writing, I guess. But I definitely want to keep writing regularly and every few months, ideally, um, have something coming out. It's, it's a question that a lot of people have to ask themselves is like, what is the release schedule going to mm-hmm. be? So if you have a clear idea of that. Now, are you planning on, like, I've heard a lot of times from a lot, we, I'm sure we've all heard it, that once you get to the third book, that's when you kind of want to do the box set thing. Are you planning on a box set for the Adventurer series or do you want to get the whole series done 
before you release a box set? Yeah, I've not decided for sure yet. I think it's less of a less of a thing for children's books because I'd say about maybe about eighty percent of my sales are paperbacks. Um, so if I did a a combined paperback of the first three in the series, I'd need to have a think about that, have a look at the yeah. Um, it's a very different thing to an ebook box set. So I've not decided for sure yet, but it is something I'm thinking about and looking into. Hmm, very cool. Okay, that's a, and that's another good distinction is that some of us, like yourself, wind up selling a lot more paperbacks because we hear a lot about the ebook sales. Like me, for what I'm doing, it's mostly ebooks. Mm-hmm. So, um, how uh, you're advertising uh, and how are you getting the word out about? word out about your books is it uh through the traditional means that we've all been kind of taught is the mailing list and uh facebook ads amazon ads bookbub ads i know you're uh you said you mentioned adam croft he's a big uh fan of the bookbub ads which uh not too many use uh successfully so uh what is your strategy for that what what tools are you using for that the most successful the tool i've used most successfully is definitely amazon ads for me um, because I think just having customers there who are looking for something for their children to read, looking at other products, that seems to be when the covers in particular attract people to come and click on your link, read about the story. And that's where I'm driving most of my sales at the moment through Amazon ads. I've tried Facebook. I think it's a lot tougher for the children's book market because it's harder to target parents specifically or school teachers or librarians. Right. It's a, a lot more niche, I think, and you know, parents might not be looking on Facebook for something for their children, but they would look on Amazon. Um, so it's still something I'd like to crack. I don't feel like I've cracked it yet on Facebook. Um, BookBub ads, I've done a little bit with. I've only just recently started using them, and it does drive traffic. Um, definitely, Kindle. I'm with Kindle Unlimited for my eBooks, and it does drive some page reads. Um, particularly in the US through BookBub ads. But the one issue I've had, um, which I haven't nailed yet, is they seem to expire very quickly, BookBub ads. So I have an ad that's doing well, getting clicks, and then about 24 hours later, it's got zero impressions. So I need to do a bit of reaction to what's going on there. Yeah, that's a that's a good question to bring up to certain people in certain groups to maybe do a video about that. Let us know how how that's working out for yeah. you. <laughs> um, I've had that experience too with BookBub. I think BookBub is hmm, probably fourth tier for me, right? Because uh, I see, I, I I'm kind of mixing with the Joanna Penn thing too about trying to. I'm not wide for uh, the urban fantasy books. It's all in Kindle Unlimited. Uh, but I am trying to do other things like this podcast, like a lot of other articles and things mm-hmm. to kind of drive eyeballs towards what I'm doing. So I actually wind up getting more from that than I do the book bookbub ads. I kind of got what you got, which was you get a lot of impressions and then it's like, oh, you have one day. It's pretty good. Oh, I got X amount of sales today. All right. This is working. And then the next day it's like, what, what happened? Yeah. What is this? What are, what are these zeros? I don't want to see zeros. No, no zeros. But um, it's it's interesting too because Amazon ads. I've been hit or miss with them. Like for me, and I think it is because what you said because the genres are different. Mm. Uh, urban fantasy for me, I get a ton of page reads, 
uh, from the Facebook ads because I do put in big bold letters free on Kindle Unlimited. So a lot of people just wind up going, oh, it's free. If they have Kindle Unlimited, they just start reading the book. So I get a ton of those. Uh, uh, Amazon is more for kind of uh, individual sales, like people who aren't in KU, they wind up buying it from there. I'm still I am still trying to crack the Amazon ad thing right now as far as the bidding and everything else. Um, so uh, do you feel that you've gotten to a comfortable place with the Amazon ads that your bids are at a, a and indie authors are going to know what we're talking about this here. Your bids are at a right place where you're spending enough, but you're making the money back from what you're spending. Um, or that's not something crazy like, oh, I spent a hundred dollars on this ad and got one sale for, <laughs> for and $3 from one sale, you know, cause I've seen a lot of people have that issue. Yeah, it's been that. The bid rate has been really good, so um, I'm spending, for the first book in the series, um, I'm not ab- using ads for the second book so much because I'm hoping to get the read-through from the first book, but for the first book, on an individual book basis, um, I'm making a profit on every sale, and then it's always understated with Amazon ads as well because I'm getting the Kindle Unlimited reads, and as you'll know, you can't track that in the Amazon advertising tool. Um, Mm-hmm. So the uplift is slightly better, I think, for Amazon ads than it looks. But I'm hoping I'm in a good place that the first book is being advertised profitably, and then hopefully people will start picking up the second book if they enjoy the first book. Yeah, that there are some a lot of strategies to there. So you, you've got a better grasp on it than most that I, I have uh, talked to recently. Um, there's one thing that I did see is that, and I started using this and it has worked for me, is the uh, CYA ad for uh, <laughs> for the Amazon ads, which is basically cover your butt ads, <laughs> uh, where it's a, you just have one ad set that's only target, that you're specifically targeting your own books in your series yeah. with the books in your series and you're bidding very, very high on them. <laughs> so when somebody does come to your page, they they'll, they'll get the customers also bots with your other other books in your series, but they're also seeing the sponsored ones. Your book, your books will be the first ones there too. So you kind of get that double impression there. I've I've heard some other people do it. I think, um, I think Shane Silver's. I heard that from. It was either Shane or Dawson. Is one of the two uh, said that. And I started using it. It did work well. I get more sales on Amazon through that ad than I do from most of the other ones. So I don't know if that's uh, if there's a, some secret sauce in there I need to kind of dig into a little bit more. I'm doing the same at the moment, but only because I'm experimenting with um, automatic keywords and that through the automatic mm-hmm. keyword ads, they've seemed to have picked up my own book as a target for my ads. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure if those sales are because people are searching for me anyway and they would have bought the book or if having it come up as sponsored is somehow helping. So I'm experimenting with it. I'm not, sure at the moment um, my biggest issue with Amazon ads is trying to and lots of people have this problem is just scaling up um, so I've probably got about 15 ads running at the moment um, because it's just hard to get Amazon to spend the money I find maybe because my bid rates are quite low and they're profitable I just want Amazon to put more and more impressions out there but for me it's quite a slow build up creating new ads and add to the ones I've got already rather than increasing the daily spend, which doesn't always do a lot for me. No, it doesn't. And you would think that Amazon would encourage uh, 
the the dreaded algorithm. I always love when people talk about the algorithm because half of them don't know what algorithm is. But the the dreaded algorithm of uh, Amazon, you would think it would want to give more of the ads that are working well because you're getting they're getting money from the book sales. But maybe it's hey, I, no, we want to give more to the people who are spending a hundred dollars and not making anything, <laughs> and have them just keep funneling money into the ad system i don't know maybe the average, maybe the money goes to different places who knows uh but it is a weird thing that you know everybody's talked about scaling up and how hard it is yeah. and duplicating the same ad like 15 times just so it you know keeps getting impressions it's crazy um so you it sounds like you you're on you're on the way you're on the road which again is the whole point of this uh series of the podcast um what do you think is going to be ha- what do you see for the next year or two uh, with you and, and the book series and, and where do you do you hope to go and are there any steps that you think you need to improve upon to get there um so definitely need to get some more books out so i need to get writing i think that's the biggest thing for me right now just to crack on with the writing um and yeah to keep experimenting with different forms of advertising to do a few more school um, about the books and about what they enjoy reading and what they like about the books. That's always really rewarding. Um, so, yeah, I want to do more of the same. Um, it's My journey, I think, is... I mean, I'm not, obviously, as successful as... anywhere near as successful as a lot of the people that are publishing independently and some of the you know, star independent authors that we've talked about. But I feel really lucky in that my sales have gone up you know, every month in the past four months, quite a bit, so I can see that growth, I can see things working, Mm -hmm. and I'm a very long way from being able to, you know, give up the day job and do this full time, but if I got to a point where I had enough books out and I continue seeing growth, that's that's the dream, really, to be able to focus. So, well, that's a good kind of outlook to have is, uh, because I do think sometimes a lot of us, you know, if we don't have immediate success, I'm not a millionaire after three books, you know, this doesn't work. You know, that there, there's a lot of that that goes on sometimes. Uh, but to have a kind of a more realistic perspective on your book career. And as long as, like you said, you're seeing improvements and growth, you're always going in the right direction. You always want to be going up. Um, so to people like that, cause we, you know, we're in this, we're in similar groups. We're probably yeah. in more groups than we even know. Cause I'm in a bunch of groups and I never really read everybody's posts, but you know, we do see that from time to time from other, you know, indies who are starting out and they get frustrated and they, you know, I quit and all this other stuff. Um, as somebody who is, like you said, not the super mega star, but you are seeing growth and improvement. What would be kind of your advice to people who may be frustrated? They've got two or three books out and it's like, uh, I can't do this anymore. What would your advice be to them? Um, to get some advice from people to keep experimenting. Experiment with small right. amounts of money. I hear about people blowing these huge budgets for something that's not working. Um, I wouldn't recommend that. Um, I think, you know, I think one of the most important things is to enjoy what you're doing and not get too caught up on the business side of things. So ultimately, if I didn't make any money through doing what I'm doing and I just made enough to cover my costs I would still do it because I enjoy writing I want to have my writing out there and yeah it's the business side of it is very important it's crucial but the enjoyment of it and having a product that you're proud of that you want to write 
you writing for your own enjoyment as well. I think if you keep that side of things, it, it can help you stay sane throughout juggling these multiple balls of marketing, writing, editing, you know, working with your team and doing all the rest of it. So just trying to go back to the basics of why you're doing it in the first place, I guess. Yeah, and I, I think over time, um, if you don't enjoy it, then it kind of defeats the purpose of trying to do it. For, I mean, because a lot of reason why a lot of us doing are doing this is because we want to write and we enjoy writing. We've been doing it anyway. Now we're just trying to find a way to monetize it. So I, I do like that. I do like that advice yeah. that you're given is to, if you're getting too bogged down and frustrated that you're not becoming, you know, you're not Adam Croft, you're not Shane Silvers, you're not Mark Dawson, you're not Michael Anderlade to not let that uh, deter you from writing because, you know, do it, do it for fun. And then as you as you get progress, um, as you start seeing improvements, um, and I think both of us can attest to this, you do get a little bit more excited, but you got to kind of keep it in perspective yeah. and go, okay, I got, <laughs> you know, I made whatever more this year, this month than I did last month. And let's see if I can keep that going. And then eventually, uh, either you'll, you'll break through or just a war of attrition. You'll just accumulate, you'll be, you'll get the Bella Forest syndrome where you just have like 80 books and you're just making any, you're making a lot of money anyway, <laughs> just cause you have a sheer volume of books that people are into reading. So, but thank you, Gemma, very much for this conversation. And um, it's been very enlightening. And hopefully other indies, I know I found some advice here, especially from the stuff with you and Amazon. So now there's some things I'm going to have to go back and Amazon and tinker with a little bit for myself. And hopefully some other people got some stuff, uh, some advice here, too, from and some ideas from listening to you and your journey uh, starting out on this very crazy and wonderfully weird journey of being a self-published author. Uh, thanks, Gemma. Tell the people where they can find you online, uh, Facebook groups, website, Amazon links, whatever it is. And uh, yeah, let them know. Great. So thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. And for anyone who wants to connect with me, I'm on Facebook under my author name. Well, my actual name is <laughs> not just my author name. Um, Gemma Hatz, with it, which is spelled with a J-E-M-M-A and H-A-T-T. Um, the same for Instagram, so Instagram.com slash Gemma Hat, Twitter, the same. Everything, it's just my name, really. And then my website is GemmaHats.com. Awesome. And it's easy to remember now. So that's good. The best thing. <laughs> well, thank you, Gemma. And uh, thank you guys for checking out the Wonderfully Weird podcast this week. We will be continuing this series with many more indie authors who are starting out on their journeys as all of us can kind of gather together and give each other encouragement and I'll see you guys next time for another edition of the wonderfully weird podcast. Have a good day. <laughs>